0: Something happens when you tie enrollment to state funding in Michigan schools. On the one hand, it makes perfect sense. More students, more money. On the other, it can be a trap. A school starts to lose enrollment for reasons it may or may not control, and the money dwindles too. This can lead to spending cuts. Maybe class sizes increase, or certain electives are dropped, or popular programs have to go by the wayside or the district might start running a deficit. Problems like this can snowball, leaving fewer parents choosing that district, which leads to lower enrollment and even less funding, and so on. It's hard to think of a city in Michigan that has suffered more than Flint. Already battered by economic storms, it then had the international infamy that came as a result of its water crisis in 2014, which is still unresolved. So it shouldn't be a surprise that the schools are suffering too. This is Facts Matter, the Citizens Research Council of Michigan podcast. I'm Nancy Deringer, Communications Director for the Research Council, and in this podcast we look at Michigan through a policy lens. Our discussions here are informed by our 103 years of experience doing nonpartisan, fact-based research on policy issues. We hope this podcast will serve as another way for the public to access our work, which is, as always, free and available to all at our website, crcmich.org. Today, we're talking to Craig Thiel, our director of research, who knows more about school funding than almost anyone. Welcome, Craig. Uh, Good morning. Yes. So it appears that once again, a Michigan school district is in something of a death spiral, if that's not too harsh a term. Uh, Could you just sketch out the situation in Flint? Yes. Uh,
1: Flint Community Schools uh, is an urban school district um, that has... Seen uh, considerable changes uh, with its enrollment over the last, I would say, 20 years. Um, At one point, the district had enrolled 40,000 students. You had uh, five high schools, um, you know, a number of schools throughout the city. And over those 20 years, we've just seen a precipitous decline in the number of students enrolled in Flint, and in fact, the number of students living in Flint. Um, So kind of a natural... Change in the population, but also an expansion of uh, school choice in the area has has driven uh, Flint's enrollment down, and now it sits just below 4,000 students. Uh, remarkable uh, decline, and with that has come a decline in the revenues uh, to the school. And yeah. when schools lose students, they lose money, and when they can't correct their budget quick enough, they enter a deficit situation. And that's what we're seeing here uh, today, kind of rearing its, its ugly head again.
0: Right. And that's kind of, and, and of course, when you're operating in a deficit, um, you know, the, the management tends to get a little more chaotic. It tends to lead to more people leaving the district for whatever reason. And that's why I mentioned it was kind of a death spiral. It just, you know, the problem uh, feeds on itself.
1: Uh, exactly. And, you know, uh, they've gone through a number of superintendents, school board changeover on this time. Um, key staff have changed. Um, and that just doesn't signal uh, good things happening in the school district when you're a parent trying to, you know, get your kid the best uh, education possible. So it is, it's a kind of a self uh, fulfilling uh, death spiral in a sense that. One uh, one signal leads to another signal, and and it's kind of a negative feedback uh, on each of these signals. So right. it's it's been a, a major problem. Um, Flint's been in a deficit situation uh, in years past, and then they've more or less been able to paper over their uh, their financial problems, and uh, now the 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 paper has worn thin here and the deficit's showing its head again.
0: Hmm. So, um, I think most people, um, I mean, everybody in Michigan knows about Flint, but Flint is in the unusual situation in cities of, of its kind in that it's, um, it was, it, it got international publicity for its water crisis a few years ago. Um, what are the implications, uh, for the school district?
1: Well, obviously, um, the poisoning of the water in Flint uh, has uh, with lead uh, is a a major component in the um, uh, learning abilities of students in Flint. And, you know, the state has stepped up um, acknowledging some of the problems it created and has provided additional resources um, to the Flint School District and the Genesee Intermediate School District to service um, the kids in Flint, um, primarily healthcare related programs, early childhood related programs to provide some additional supports um, outside of the traditional K-12 settings. So, you know, th- th- there are some additional resources, but they're very much targeted to um, certain populations within the the Flint schools, um, right? And, and and I was
0: I was struck by um, the observation in your uh, blog about this, which you can find at crcmish.org and click on the Research Insights, which is where our blog lives now on our redesigned website, um, where you mentioned that the proportion of students receiving special ed services. Um, is much higher than it is in the statewide average for public schools. And the, um, you know, of course, we were all told over and over during the water crisis that the implications for um, particularly children on their brain development uh, were going to be pretty profound.
1: Yeah. And um, there's, although we haven't uh, drawn a a direct, uh, you know, there's correlation between the onset of the Poisoning of the water and the ramp up in the number of uh, special ed students in the district. Um, you know, there's yeah. not been anyone tested the causation there, but um, clearly there's a link. Uh, we've seen the uh, share of students requiring uh, special ed services increase from just about the state average a little higher um, five, six years ago um, at about it was about 14 percent of the overall enrollment required special ed services. And today it's up over 23%. So, and the statewide average is about 13%, you know, and, and those, those, that varies district to district, but clearly Flint has a very high proportion of students, uh, with special needs and requiring additional services, supports in the K-12, uh, classroom and outside the classroom with, you know, health, um, cognitive, uh, issues um, right. and, and learn, learning as well.
0: So almost a quarter of the student population, which is right. really and, dramatic.
1: Yeah, and, and special ed's uh, a, a unique topic in that, um, you know, these are services that are required, mandated by the state and the federal government, and school districts have to provide those services free to uh, students who, uh, who need them. And uh, because the way we fund special ed in the state, uh, what ends up happening is that the uh, directed resources to those programs from state, local, and the federal uh, governments don't match the uh, costs of providing those services. So districts are left with uh, having to pull some resources out of their general ed, general fund uh, classroom to support those special ed students. So you can see if you have a higher proportion of special ed uh, services in your district, the more you're going to have to dip into your general fund uh, to, to meet those mandated uh, service levels.
0: Wow. And so, so
1: it's, it's kind of, you know, again, the, the district really um, has no choice. It has to meet these demands and the only place to turn is their general fund um, budget.
0: Wow. So what are its options at this point?
1: Well, the district has proposed a deficit uh, elimination uh, plan. It's forwarded to the state. It's required to do that by by law. And, you know, the the, the plan is premised on making do with the resources you have. You're not, you know, the school districts in Michigan can't go to the voters and ask for additional resources uh, to get out of their problems. That's, kind of the model of funding we have because all the funding is set by the state
0: right and so, it's all per pupil so and the it's more- all
1: tied to the number of kids which goes back to our first problem which right. we talked about declining enrollment sure so um you know the the districts proposed uh some building closures to try to uh consolidate um its resources uh, to uh, increase utilization of some buildings. Obviously, there's some administrative efficiencies there. Some attrition of staff is proposed, uh, both in terms of classroom uh, 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 teachers and uh, pros but also administrative folks. But even then, uh, with with those uh, uh, proposals in place, they would not be able to eliminate their deficit for about, close to 20 years um, just through the natural course of kind of downsizing and right-sizing the district and uh, the the problem actually is projected to get worse before it gets better uh, in that proposal so uh, the question remains you know what resources uh, in the short term can be brought in uh, to kind of patch the budget and outside of state assistance um, there really isn't a recourse because local Districts aren't able to to increase their their revenue pot.
0: Right. So they they need money more than ever. They're losing it faster than ever. And they're expected to um, pay off this, you know, fairly significant long-term deficit with the resources that they already get. I mean, it's, again, it's a death spiral.
1: Right. And, you know, the state um, is at the table right now. um, My guess is they will have to provide some type of financial uh, uh, bailout, if you will, for the immediate term. You know, what that looks like, we don't know. Uh, but the reality is, is they won't have enough cash to pay their bills um, fairly early in this year. And if they are somehow able to make it through this year, certainly next school year, uh, they'll face a cash crunch and the, and the state will really be in a in a bind to help them.
0: Right. Right. So we have seen this, um, in recent years in Michigan, in Benton Harbor, Detroit. Um, how is it handled in those places and any others you can think of?
1: Detroit was fairly unique in, in that it was, um, a, a, a district that had been under state control for almost 10 years. Um, and the size of the problem was, uh, just m- much greater than Flint or, um, Benton Harbor, as you mentioned. And then of course the city was, uh, Going through some serious uh, financial problems in bankruptcy itself. So, this, the state proposed a, a bailout for DPS, basically, you know, creating an old co, <coughs> new co model where the old company or the old district kind of was just left in place to pay off the debts and gave the new. Uh, school district, a, a fresh start, starting with, um, you know, no deficit and just moving forward. And, you know, we're three years into that experiment and it appears to be working.
0: That was um, the same model used with the auto companies, too.
1: It's kind of a model that was used with the auto companies, right? Um, kind of take all the bad assets and leave them with the uh, old company and then any positive, uh, you know, assets, move them over to the new company and start a, start fresh. Right. Right. Uh, Benton Harbor is a lingering problem. It hasn't been dealt with. Um, I wondered if maybe uh, Benton Harbor uh, again was a district that had been dealing with same problems as Flint, same problems as Detroit, just kind of the hollowing out of the urban core. Um, you know, the students leaving for other educational op- opportunities outside the district, and just. You know, couldn't cut their budget fast enough. Um, Benton Harbor was kind of on the state's radar earlier this year, Um, and uh, we're still looking to see what the resolution is in that district as far as what role the state might play, what role, um, you know, kind of uh, a budget uh, deficit uh, elimination plan might play. So it's kind of to be determined in that case.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, So what is this? I mean, does the state have a set policy for this or are they trying to work these issues out as as they come up?
1: Right, so we have a new administration um, and uh, I think this new administration is looking for some type of policy guidance. Um, the, the, the one tool that is in place uh, on the books is the emergency manager law and it has been used. It was the tool that was used in the case of uh detroit um it's been used in the case of pontiac it was used previously in the case of benton harbor um but uh and it's still there uh, but um it's unclear whether or not this administration wants to engage that tool because it's very much a uh state-directed um
0: Top top down, right?
1: Top down, heavy handed approach. Um, But absent that, there really isn't uh, a solution outside of just, you know, the state taking a case-by-case look at at these school districts and and I'd argue that the state needs a consistent clear policy for dealing with um, whether it's Flint today uh, Benton Harbor earlier in the year or or whatever comes next because it it clearly sets the direction the tone of you know how the state who's ultimately responsible for education is going to deal with these school districts uh, on a going-forward basis
0: right so so, the, you know, the bottom line in this tragic situation is, is short-changed school children. I mean, it, 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 I guess you don't want it to trickle down to the classroom, but it, it really can't be easy to learn and thrive in an environment like this. So, um, you know, what, what are the implications for, act- for, for actually getting an education in Flint City Schools?
1: Yeah. Well, fortunately, uh, the Flint and Benton Harbor and Detroit and a number of school districts in the state have entered into agreements uh, with the state and their local partners to, to keep uh, a tabs on what's going on in the classroom and focusing on the academic needs of their students. Um, these are these partnership agreements um, that are put in place uh, in these districts are designed to bring, um, you know, not just the state to the table, but local uh, community uh, actors, whether it's, you know, a uh, local foundation, the intermediate school district, a uh, health care provider um, to kind of examine what the needs are in those schools and then provide the resources to, to to get the kids learning. Um, Flint has a partnership agreement in place. Um, with it comes, you know, again, state resources, local resources, some additional uh, dollars come in to target those, um, those academic uh, programs. But I would argue that, you know, at the same time that they're addressing these needs in the classroom, if the district's financially failing, it really calls into question, you know, how uh, successful, those academic interventions will be because you know parents are saying that the district's flagging financially. People are leaving, and they're just going to pull up and, and find something else, uh, another uh, right. you know environment for their kids. So, and then obviously changing schools is disruptive for learning, and there's all sorts of problems I think uh, when that occurs. So. Uh, The state has a policy, clear policy, for the academics, um, and I would argue they need to put in place something uh, to address the finances in these these districts.
0: Wow. So... A pretty, uh, a pretty grim scene over the, up there in uh, Genesee County, but um, you know, hope springs eternal. We can always we can we can solve any problem in this country, right? So, all right. Well, thanks so much, Craig. Um, once again, uh, like I said at the top of the uh, podcast, I don't think anybody knows more about this stuff than you do, and I do appreciate your expertise.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: Okay, and that will do it for another edition of Facts Matter the Citizens Research Council of Michigan podcast. Remember, the council operates as a public resource, and all of our papers, along with blogs, op-eds, and other resources are available on our website, crcmich.org. We operate as a nonprofit, thanks to Michigan's corporations, foundations, and generous individuals like you. If you'd like to make a donation, go to our website, crcmich.org, and click the Get Involved tab on the homepage. We also welcome feedback, which you can send via email to crcmish at crcmish.org. I'm Nancy Deringer, and until next time, I leave you with this observation by our founding president, Lent Upson. The right to criticize government is also an obligation to know what you're talking about.